to expound and learn many halachas through that or expound the story. And the Samach of Pardis is Soid, the secrets. And there was always the element of Soid in Torah. When there were prophets, and the prophets actually saw God to some degree in their visions and their experiences, that is the idea of Kabbalah. In Kabbalah, you learn about, um, the diff- so to speak, all the levels between us and God. You know, so- someone may learn Kabbalah and feel that God is so removed because there's so many, uh, there's so many rungs to the ladder with him in the top and us in the bottom. And, um, well, Chassidus makes sure to point out that that would be a misconception. God is at the top of the ladder, and there is a very long ladder coming to us. But the entire ladder is only our perception. As far as God, he exists equally at the bottom of the ladder as the top of the ladder. The diminishing of light as you go lower and lower is only the perception of the creations. Okay? That's just an important thing to, to know. Because otherwise someone could dabble a bit in Kabbalah, and the more you learn, the more you study, the more spiritual worlds you study about, you realize that the distance between us and the Godhead, so to speak, uh, is, is extreme, infinite. And Chassidah says that's, it's only our perception of things. As you go lower down, the light diminishes. But God himself is present everywhere, and to him there's no concealment at all. Okay, having said that, so during the times of the prophets, the, a nevuah, if someone has a real prophecy, you know, that's... That's the ultimate of Kabbalah. Kabbalah, you're studying God's, God's attributes, how he manifests himself. In prophecy, you actually see it. You experience it. So you have the real thing. But then in the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdush, um, that's it, in, and out. in the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdush, prophecy ceased. Mishamei Sechag HaZechariah Malachi, when the three last prophets passed away, Nevuah ceased from the Yidin, as the Gemara says. But there were those that still studied Kabbalah, but they were few. This is exactly a thousand years after the Yidin left Mitzrayim. Um, Forty years into the second Beis HaMikdash. The Hebrew year is three, four, four, eight. Exactly a thousand years. We actually had a whole shir on Hanukkah. It was the same time as the rise of Alexander the Great. <clears throat> and we explained how the rise of Greek wisdom is actually what pushed out prophecy. The, um, there is a, a debate between Jewish sources and secular sources of the exact date of Alexander the Great's um, birth and death. It's a couple decades off, nothing too, uh, too big. The year 70? No, 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 no. This is in the beginning of the second base on Mikdash. Year 70, the common era is destruction of the second base on Mikdash. You've got to go back three, well, 380 years. So it was the, well, well, 3448 is, uh, is 312 BCE. Either way, either way. We have some more, a good thing I made some more copies. So... You had individuals that learned Kabbalah, but it definitely was not mainstream. You had Yechidei school, and now what did they learn from? So that we're going to discuss. Sorry? I'm saying it wasn't called Kabbalah, it was Well, it was called Said. We're going to speak about what books they had or they didn't have. The Pashtus, they didn't have those either in the beginning of the second base of Mikdash, only later. Hold on, let me just get everyone a piece of paper, uh, the copies here. And uh, there's a few over here. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. Let's just uh, let's make sure everybody has the papers. Whoa, what's going on over there? Did I say something wrong? Who else? Who else requires papers? Anybody? Rachmendel, the host. Ellie, Ellie. Ah, listen, we have a question. Yes, Take two. Oh, why were you? Okay. And uh, Kabbalah continues by uh, individuals throughout the second base of Mikdash. Towards the end of the second base of Mikdash, you have the Tanoim. Amongst the Tanoim, there were a few of them that were noted Kabbalists, namely Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi and his teacher, Rabbi Akiva. We know Rabbi Akiva was great in the hidden wisdom. There's a Medrash Rabbah, well-known Medrash. The Medrash Rabbah says that even secrets that Hashem did not reveal to Moshe, He revealed to Rabbi Akiva. Secrets of the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know, Rabbi Akiva was taught. And uh, Rabbi Chaim Vital's son, Rabbi Shmuel Vital, he says, what was the only thing Moshe didn't know? So it's a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. The Abish created in the world 50 gates of wisdom. All of them were given to Moshe except for one. He got 49. And that's what David refers to in Tehillim. You made Moshe, you know, a drop off, you know, one, one stage lower than, uh, than God himself. What didn't Moshe know? The 50th gate. Now, it happens to be in Kabbalah's form, it says the 50 gates has more than all other 49 gates combined. And in fact, some say Moshe knew from the 50th gate, 49 parts of the 50th gate. There's all discussion about this. But either way, says Shmuel Vital, the fact is the Medrash Rabbah says that what Moshe didn't know, Rabbi Kiva knew, which means Rabbi Kiva must have known the 50th gate of wisdom. Rabbi Kiva excelled not only in, in Halacha, in that part of Torah, but in the secrets as well. Do we know any of the gates? Everything you learn is connected to, you know, which gate is which thing of wisdom. No, you would have to be, no. There's not, not like a list. No, 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 no. Well, where there are, there's 32 paths of wisdom. There's Lamed Beis, Nesivus, Chachma, which you don't know, you don't know. Well, it could be many things you're learning are from those gates, but you wouldn't necessarily know which gate you're tapping into. It's not just gate of wisdom, it's gate of spirituality. You know, someone, you, you, you might feel, feel an inspiration in some part of your Judaism, and that's connected to one of those gates. Now, which specific number, you wouldn't know. Yeah, but you said Moshe thought that he knew 49 out of 50. He did so know he, 49 out of 50. Right, so he, he knew which were... Yeah, yeah, he knew. If you're, on, if, you're on that, if you're in that club of the Moses Moses club, then you would know. But for the average person, you would not. Unless you're a Kabbalist, then you can get a feeling of which gate. The truth is, the, fifth, the, the, the 49 days of Sphere Sa'imer, every day we rectify another uh, quality in the soul, is also each night corresponds to another one of the 49 gates. But let's leave this. This is just parenthetic. So Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai were noted Kabbalists, yes? Rabbi Akiva was Makabal Kabbalah, but Pashas from Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer Hagodol. Rabbi Eliezer, in Rabbi Eliezer Hagodol's Medrash, Pirke de Rabbi Eliezer, which was written by his students um, about 2,000 years ago, a little less, slightly after the destruction of the second Beis Hamikdash, 
there are many Kabbalistic ideas that come from Pirkei Rabelezer. So, and the Gemara speaks that Rabelezer did the, well, used to change nature. He was able to create things. The Gemara says stories. So Rabelezer as well. In fact, the Arizal will come to this. The Arizal believes very much that Rabbi Shimon Bayechai wrote the Zoyer. But the Arizal said, and you can find it in one of Rabbi Chaim Vital's forum, the Arizal says that Rabbi Shimon Bayechai was not the greatest Kabbalist of his time. But he had a skill that no one else had. He can camouflage the deepest secrets in statements that unless you had the right glasses, you wouldn't realize what's going on. So unless somebody is a trained, you know, someone has the, the knowledge, the understanding, the perception, they can go through the Zoya and not realize at all the true mystical teachings Rashbi is trying to convey. So Shim Bayechai was able to pull off a magic trick. And no one else was able to do that. That's what Darizal said. That's why he says Rab Shim Bayechai was selected to be the one to put all the teachings um, as they are in the Zoyer. He, he, we'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> Anyhow, fine. So there were many Tanoim that uh, excelled in Kabbalah. After the Tanoim, you have the Amoroim. The Amoroim, you don't have too much in Gemara. In Gemara and Sanhedrin, it says that some of the Amoroim would learn Sefer Yitzira and they would create things. So that's what he mentioned in Gemara. You, after the Gemara, for about, which was put together around the year 450 or so of the Common Era, for the next 500 years, the times of the Ga'inim, we know very little about them in general, about their lives, about what they wrote. Uh, definitely, who was a Kabbalist, we know very, very little. But after the Ga'inim, when the Rishonim begin about a thousand years ago, we begin to know much more. In fact, if you look at the sheet I have over here, I, I divided the groups of Kabbalists about 800, 900 years ago into three groups, into the Hasidic Ashkenaz, the Kabbalists of Germany, the Kabbalists of France, and the Kabbalists of Spain. Now, we're going to have a look at them momentarily. But if somebody was a Kabbalist a thousand years ago, what was he learning? So first of all, he had to have a teacher. Kabbalah is called Kabbalah because you have to receive it. You have to receive it. Halacha, somebody could maybe teach themselves to get more or less a good grasp on the nigla, on the revealed parts of Torah. The esoteric part, if someone doesn't have a proper guide, they'll completely distort and misunderstand what they're reading. And for that reason, Kabbalah was always, you know, kind of locked up in a closet. Very few people dabbled in learning Kabbalah because they were worried, if I don't understand it, it's just going to, it'll be damaging. It'll be counterproductive. I'll come to wrong conclusions and, you know, it's, it's destructive. That's why it's called Kabbalah. It has to be taught, it has to be received. You need a teacher, a master teacher to pass it on. And finding that itself was hard. A thousand years ago, even if somebody wanted to learn Kabbalah, to find the person, they might have to travel, they often would travel, and it was a great commitment, you know, and uh, therefore it was uncommon. But if somebody wanted to learn a text, so what did they have? So somebody mentioned Sefer Yitzira. Sefer Yitzira goes back to Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu put together a book, and this book is quoted uh, often in Chassidus, where it speaks there already about the ten spheres, and 
the letters of the Aleph Beis, etc., etc. And the Gemara testifies to the fact that the Abishta used letters of the Aleph Beis to create the world. So if you're able to to find the tricks Hashem used, then you could do it yourself, which is how Tzaddikim created Goylems, whether animals, whether people, etc. Seyfi Tzir was put together by Avraham Avinu. There are traditions it was made by Rabbi Akiva himself, by Rabbi Akiva. So is that a, an argument? According to many, no. They both worked on Seyfi Yitzira. Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva added many psukim to it. Rabbi Akiva added parts to it. He finished the job. But it goes back to Avram Avinu. And we know Avram Avinu created things. He created, uh, we had a shir, he created one of the calves that he served the angels. That's why he was able to serve it together with milk. Because on a miraculous item, which was actually another shir we had, a miraculous item is not governed by the laws of halacha. According to someone, it says in Parshas Lech Lecha, that Avram and Sarah left Choron to go to Eretz Yisrael. They took the souls that they made. What souls did they make? So the Ravid says in his commentary to say for Yitzira, it means Goylems. When it says the Nefesh Asher Osu, literally they made, Avram made Goylems. A Goylem is better than Gilgulim, it's all the same. It's all the, <laughs> anyhow. Listen, slag bomb, we've got to get in the mood, or we've got to get, uh, if you want to dance around that bonfire. He made a few hundreds for him? Avram wrote lots of, lots of svarim in halacha about Avodah Zorah. Because as a Ben Noyach, what the, the main, a few of the mitzvahs of a, uh, of a Ben Noyach surround Avodah Zorah. And Avram wrote many works in halacha. Pertaining to the goyim of his time about Avodazar. And he wrote Sefer Yitzira and Rabbi Kiva touched it up. Okay, that's the standard acceptance. That's Sefer Yitzira and it was extant, and the Gemara says Amiroyim had it. And therefore, a thousand years ago, if somebody wanted to learn Kabbalah, they would try to get their hands on a manuscript, right? This is well before the printing press, a manuscript of Sefer Yitzira. What else was there? So look at number one. Let's already start. Number one is from the Zoyer. We're going to learn some raw Zoyer over here. Okay, so join me. This is in Zoyer in the end of Parshas Bereshis. It says in Parshas Bereshis, Zeh Sefer told us Adam. It's a possible. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Says the Zoyer, number one, the top. Zeh Sefer Vadai. When it says this is a book, it's literally a book. Adam had a Sefer. Really? Adam wrote a book? It must have been a bestseller, right? You know, who did he sell it to? His wife. Vohu Kimna. This is what we've established. The Kadhava Adam begins at the Eden. When Adam was in Gan Eden, Nochis. Oh, no. Okay, the first letter of every line was chopped off. Okay. Let's see if we can get this. Nochis like Kuchabrichu Safra, the Ebishta, gave him a safer. Al Malacha Kadisha through an angel called Raziel. Raziel is a Malach in heaven, and his job was to teach secrets to people. That's why his name is Raziel. Raziel means the secrets of God. That's what he did. He taught the secrets to people. And he started by teaching to Adam. Memuna al Raze Iloin. Raziel is the Malach who is appointed on top of all secrets in heaven. Iloin Kadishin. Obey and in this safer. So it sounds like the Abish handed this safer to Adam. 
Not that Adam wrote it. Not that Adam was taught by Raziel and he committed it to writing. Rather, Adam was given a book itself. Obey in the book, Glyphin, it's engraved. Gilufe Eloi in exalted engravings. V'chachma Kadisha, holy wisdom. V'shivin v'train zini d'chachmasa. There are 72 types of wisdom. Have a misparshin minei would um, be explained from the book or would, or would uh, depart from the book and they would turn l'shismeya to 600, v'shiva and v'shivin and 70, glyphin, glyphin again is... um like hieroglyphics. No, no, gl- no uh, maybe. Gl- glyphin means chakika, means engraved. The raza eloi of the eternal... Um, right. Bemtsa'usa de Safra, in the middle of this book, Glyphe de Chachma said there's also an engraving of Chachma. It could just be engraving, just is how we're referring to how that book was written, right? The book descended from heaven, so it was not with physical ink on physical paper, or who knows, who knows? We never saw the book. Anyhow, Laminda, in the middle of the book, you could know Elif Vachomesh Meo Maftechen, 1,500 keys. The law which weren't even given to the holy angels. And everything is hidden in this book, in this book. Adam got hold of it. And once Adam got it, the Malachim, who didn't know that wisdom, they came knocking on Adam's door and they said, teach us what it says in the book. So that Malachim, the angels of heaven, descended to Adam and they asked him, what's going on? Have a miskanshi malachi, malachim would gather, Eloi, the eternal, the, the, the celestial angels, Laminda to find out, or Mishman to hear from Adam, what does it say in the book? So this was a gift Adam was given that even the angels in heaven didn't know what it said. The Hava army, the angels said, you're beyond the heavens, I'll call your honor is on the earth. It's a pasuk in Tehillim. But what they were saying was, what does it mean your honor is on the earth? The deepest secrets of godliness are in a book which is on planet earth. The heavens, the angels didn't have it. Bob Shaita at that time, There's another angel, Hadranil. The armor lay Adam and he told Adam, Adam, you have a gun as you call it Why are you spilling all the secrets? You're telling the angels everything. There's a reason why they don't know. The Abishta wants you to know and you alone. There was no permission given to the celestial angels. There's a reason they don't know. The fact that you're coming to your door should stay that way. They should be knocking, but you shouldn't answer. Bar ant, except for you. So Adam kept the safer close to him. It was his prized possession. Adam until he left from Gan Eden, Eden. Now, he was only created for a few hours till he was sent out of Gan Eden. <coughs> Unless you say that those few hours were more than just a few hours. But Papasha said it's just a few hours. A lot can happen, right? You want to say by result, in a few, when how we could learn, would you learn in 80 years? Right, right, when his soul went to heaven, when he, when his, when he was sleeping. <coughs> right, but, yep. Yeah, um, he said in order to explain it to someone, it would take him 60 years to explain it to that fellow. I don't know who that fellow was. You know, <laughs> you know it's like there was a gvir and a, and, a, and a poor man there speaking. 
And the, the Gvir says, you know, he was, you know, I had a property that if I would start my car and drive my car, I could drive for five hours. I still wouldn't have come to the end of my property. And the poor man says, yeah, I used to have a car like that too. <laughs> so the 60 years, you don't, you don't know who exactly. No, obviously, this was one of Arizal's great students. So obviously, he was a great man. And yeah, let's continue. Adam Edition was looking in the book and he was using it every day for the, to, to know the secrets of his creator. And it was revealed to him great secrets that the great angels did not know. Now this is talking about before the sin and it says every day. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what it means. What should I tell you? I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. Isn't uh, Kabbalah, especially Zayar, hints from the Tera? What is this? Like it's uh, brought out from the actual Pesukim? It's like any Medrash. So where do you get this from? That's what we're talking about. You, know, you can't stand up in a Zayar and then find the Pesukim. First, the Zayar is like any Medrash. It quotes Pesukim and then it gives Drushes. It's hinted to, like every Medrash is somehow hinted to. It's not just that. Teresh is also somehow hinted to in all the Pesukim. You have to go break your head to find out how. Kivan um, Dechata, once he sinned, he transgressed the midst of his master. Um, the book flew away from him. He was... He was uh, Beating his head, whacking his head, Ubachi was crying. It sounds like more than for the sin, he was crying on the fact he lost his book. The all Gichin, he went into a river. Gichin is one of the four rivers in Pashas Bereshis. Ad Kadle until his neck. And the Maya of Din Gufe Chalodin Chalodin, the water caused little uh, dents, little um, perforations in his body. Vishtani Ziv, he looked different. Nebuch. So Adam was really suffering for the fact that he missed his book. So Beshaita, he at that time, Hashem hinted to refoil, give back the book to Adam. Nebuch, the guy's posture to suffering, give him back the book. Asivle, he returned to suffered that book. And Adam spent his whole life with that book. He gave it to his son Shays. told us all the generations, the ten generations, Adam till Avram got this book. That's how Avram knew how to gaze at the glory of Hashem. And it was said that it was also given to Chanoich. Chanoich got the book. Now he just said before that all the people between Adam and Avram got the book. That includes Chanoich. Chanoich was the seventh generation from Adam. But he points out Chanoich had it. And through that book, that's how Chanoich reached all the wisdom that he reached. We know Chanoich, even while he was alive, he spent much time in heaven. He was going back and forth. And it says in the Zohar, the wisdom that he got was from this book. Now, the, the Malach that is appointed upon these secrets of heaven is known as Raziel HaMalach. That's what the Zohar says. There is a Sefer today known as Raziel HaMalach. And the Rebbe encouraged people should have it in their homes. And the question is, does this Sefer known as Raziel HaMalach have any correlation to this Zoyer. In other words, is that the same Sefer? Is that Mamish the same Sefer? That would be like 
You think, you know, people talk about it more. It would be like... I have a question. This is like one of the first people on Earth. There was no written language. Mm. You knew how to read? That's the question. Adam was smarter than the angels, it says in Medrash. Adam was born with... When God created him, he created him with all, you know, incredible wisdom. He was fully functioning in all other areas. And God created that, him with... There was no language. There was no written language. Lashon Kodesh, the, 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 the Hebrew God created already from... Um, yeah, God created him with that wisdom. It says, it says in Chumash that all of the animals came to Adam for him to give them names in Hebrew. That means he spoke the language. And he knew, not just that, but he knew exactly what names to give to each animal. Yeah. So let's let. Okay, so the Raziel Hamalach Sefer we have today. So, Rab Nachman of Breslov, he says very powerfully that it's a different Sefer completely. It's some of the ideas in Raziel, you know, the Sefer Raziel Hamalach speaks about secrets of heaven. So, we nicknamed it Raziel Hamalach because he's the Malach that's on top of those secrets. Um, even when the Rebbe spoke about the Sefer, he mentioned it's from hundreds of years ago. It was written in Provence, no? So, well, well, the Ibn Ezra quotes, the Ibn Ezra quotes a Sefer Raziel Amalek. There is a lot of speculation. M most believe what we have today is, is not the exact Sefer. The question is if parts of it come from the Sefer, and that's why the Sefer today has its name. Many believe the Sefer was written by someone on the sheet here, in the Kabbalists of uh, the Hasid, the third one of the Hasid Ashkenaz, Rebeloza Vermeiser. He wrote many, many works of Kabbalah. One of them is Soide Razia, secrets and secrets, and many ideas of his Sefer, Soide Razia, Razil Amalach, overlap, and therefore many believe that this Sefer either is from him or some, you know, was very much affected by his works. It remains a Shiloh. Like I said, the Ibn Ezra, who was before Rebelazar of Worms, quotes the Sefer Raziel Amalach. So, I don't know, it remains an open discussion. We move on to other Sfarim, because we want to get a kind of uh, general knowledge over here. So, so far we mentioned Sefer Yitzirah, we mentioned Raziel Hamalach. There's another Sefer called Sefer Harazim, the Book of Secrets. Sefer Harazim is a book, also speaks a lot about angels, it speaks there about magic, some voodoo, witchcraft stuff. Therefore, many were, you know, uncomfortable learning it. But there was a tradition, in fact, on one of the early prints on the front page of the Sefer, it says, these secrets are sourced in what Noyach learned on the Teva by the same Ruzil Hamalach who taught Adam. The fact that Raziel taught Adam is a Zoya, that's what we saw in number one. The fact that Raziel Hamalach taught Noyach is another tradition. I don't know where it's first base, but what do you think Noyach was busy doing on the Teva for a year? In fact, the Rebbe has a whole sicha that when the year of the Mabel stopped, ended, ceased, Noyach had to receive a new instruction from Hashem to leave the Teva. Why did Hashem have to convince him to leave the Teva? He wouldn't leave on his own. And the Rebbe says, no, Noyach didn't want to leave. The experience he had on the Teva was so sublime and spiritual, he knew his, when he opens that door, he's coming back to planet Earth. One of the things he was doing on the Teva is he was being taught secrets of the Torah, secrets of creation, Kabbalah, from Ruziel Hamalach. 
And that is the origin of this book known as Sefer Harazim. Sefer, the book of secrets. So that's another Sefer. That's another Sefer Harazim. <clears throat> Amongst the Tanoim, even before Rabbi Akiva, there's a fellow, Rabbi Nechunya ben Hakona. Rabbi Nechunya ben Hakona, he wrote the Ona Bekayach that we say every day. We don't just say it once a day, we say it again and again. We say it before Shachris and Mincha, by Krish Malamita, we say it by Sphiris Oimer. Ona Bekayach, which has 42 words corresponding to the 42 letters of Hashem's name, was written by Nechunya ben Hakona, who was a master, Makubal in the times of the Tanoim. There are three Sfarim which are attributed to him. Most Orthodox Yidin believe he wrote the Sfarim. If you ask Gershom Shalom or many of his students and this and that, they believe these three Sfarim started much later. But what are the three Sfarim? One is called Sefer Habohir. Sefer Habohir, the book of, uh, of brightness. And the Chassidus quotes from the Sefer Habohir. It's a very authentic book. And the, the Fruma tradition is that it comes from the Chunya ben Hakona. Two other Sfarim less known are Sefer Hakona, that's easy to remember, it has his name, and Sefer Hatmuna. Sefer Hatmuna. Sefer Hatmuna even speaks about Gilgulim. Sorry. The idea there that, anyways. One, what did you ask? Tmuna means picture? Or yeah, Tmuna picture. No, Tmuna picture. No, no, no. With a tough, with a tough. Anyhow, so those books are also, you know, according to our belief that they were written by Atana, so then they would have been extant, maybe rare, but they would have been in manuscript a thousand years ago as well. There's another few Sforim that we have to mention. One is what you mentioned, the Pirkei Hecholos. There's a book called the Pirkei Hecholos from the Tana Rabbi Yishmol. In Pirkei Echolos, it's also it's quoted very often, and uh, that's, that definitely goes back, I think over here many more agree that it goes back 2,000 years, and um, that was available for the end of the Tanoim and the Amoroim, I guess for those that were able to get the manuscripts. The Pirkei Echolos from Rabbi Yishmol, it also discusses his ascent to heaven and the angels and all types of spiritual things. There's another Sefer. And this is the last one we'll mention from the old books. It's called Shior Kaima. Shior Kaima. Right, yeah, yeah. So Shior Kaima speaks about the Abisht in terms of limbs of a human body, which is dangerous information if it's understood literally. It has to be taken as a metaphor. Listen, in Chumash we speak about Hashem's finger, Hashem's eyes, Hashem's hands. But uh, the Abish, the hope that we would understand as a metaphor, as the Rambam elaborates in Murin of how it's only a metaphor, and etc. Shior Kaima speaks about these topics, and therefore, if someone misunderstands and misinterprets it, he can come to all types of strange ideas that God has a body, God has a form, and is limited, etc., etc. But if it's understood Kabbalistically, it could be understood correctly. This Sefer Shir Koima also goes back to the times of the Tanoim, and many say also is written by Rabbi Yishmol. We know it existed at least 1,200 years ago, because Rabbi Sad Yagon, 1,200 years ago, 1,100 years ago, addresses the Sefer. So this has been around a long time. 
The Rambam's take on it, in the beginning, the Rambam supported the Sefer, but later on, the Rambam wrote a letter where he dismisses it, debunks the whole Sefer. He doesn't believe it was written by any of the Tanoim. Mm. It was written by a foreign hand, and it's dangerous stuff. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Bechal might not have a Jewish source at all, correct. So the Rambam, in the end, he really... And this Sefer was very hard to get, but uh, it was printed a number of decades ago. One of the, these uh, Kabbalistic professors, or at least uh, professors in the hist- history of Kabbalah, found the manuscript, got which one, and he, and he printed it. So that's another Sefer that goes way back. So what we have so far is you have... We said Sefer Yitzira, that's undoubted. goes way back a long time. Our tradition is all the way to Avram. The Ruziel HaMalach that we have may go back to Adam, may, may not. It may have some ideas from Adam's Sefer. Yeah. There was the Sefer HaRozim from Noyach. There was Nechunya Ben Akonah's forum. Sefer HaBoyer, Sefer HaKonah, Sefer Atmuna. Then we mentioned the Pirke Hecholos from Rabbi Yishmol. And then we mention Shiur Koima, which also is attributed to Rabbi Yishmael. Okay. Okay. So where are we going with all this? Like I mentioned, after the Gemara was sealed for the next 500 years, we, know, we don't know that much Bechlal of the times of the Goenim, of the Yidin and Bavel. But in the times of the Rishonim, about a thousand years ago, we begin to know much more both about the halachas and the people, but also about the secrets and the Kabbalah as well. So if you go to the paper of the names, if you please will. So these are Kabbalists of the medieval times. And I divided them into three groups, into three groups. The first are the Kabbalists of Germany. The second are the Kabbalists of France. The third are the Kabbalists of Spain. And they're all pretty much in the same time from, you know, 1100 to 1300, that time, the times of the Rishonim. So I just want to quickly go through this with you. And then we'll see the whole discussion of the Zoyar. And we'll see some interesting things. Hopefully we won't, uh, won't shake the boat too much. And even if we do, hopefully we won't capsize the boat. Hasidei Ashkenaz, there were a group of Kabbalists in Germany known as the Hasidic Ashkenaz, the pious people of Germany. And over here I wrote down a dynasty of three, even though there were more, there were people before, the people later, but there's a famous dynasty of three of them. And we begin with Reb Shmuel Hanavi. He was known as Shmuel HaChassid or Shmuel Hanavi. He's living in Germany. His father's name was Reb Kloinimus from the famous Kloinimus family, which originated in Italy. And then for some reason they moved to Germany in the 11th uh, century. So, and they really were a pillar of the beginning of German Jewry. Uh, you know, even before Rabbeinu Gershom came there, you know, around the same time. So Reb Shmuel Hanavi, what do we know about him? Not that much. He was the father of Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid, who's the next person on the sheet. That's his big yichus. We know a couple stories. First of all, Shmuel Hanavi made a goylem. He's one of the people that is recorded in Sfarim, that he made a goylem. And he used to travel both with his goylem and also with a lion. He had a pet lion. 
He was, you know, the golem wasn't, you know, a bodyguard, you know, he can't just go with one bodyguard. He needed a lion too. And uh, he actually m- once met up with Rabbeinu Tam, who was alive then in France. Rabbeinu Tam was born in the year 1100, around the same age. But one story that's found in Sfarim is that Shmuel, this Shmuel HaChosid, was a, he was mamish a spiritual man. He barely ate, he barely slept. He was a, that's why he was called the, you know, one of the Hasidic Ashkenaz, the pious people. To be part of this group, you had to fast two days Yom Kippur, by the way. If you didn't fast two days Yom Kippur, you could not be call yourself a Chassid in those days. Rabbi yeah. Shmuel Hanavi befriended a few Galochim. Goyesha priests lived in Germany. And these guys were major sorcerers. This is the tradition. Black magic, which... Uh, is no longer available as it once was. And they took Shmuel Hanavi, Shmuel HaChassid, once to the forest. And they said, let's see what you can do and we'll show you what we can do. So he said, all right. I have a friend, his name is Rabbi Yaakov. He lives far away, hundreds of miles away. He has a certain manuscript I have never been able to get a hold of. If you can, you know, bring that to me in the next three days... Now, this place was far, far away. There was no way to naturally travel there and back within three days. If you can somehow get it for me within 72 hours, you know, then I'll know that you have, uh, you have something going over there. So they took him to the forest, and the three of them, they drew circles, and uh, they had this voodoo and black mala. Names of, uh, of, uh, of demons and kishof and whatever they did. One of these galochim then became unconscious. He was lying down. And his soul was traveling to retrieve the safer. Anyhow, the time comes for the guy to return. He has the book. His friends are trying to revive him. They can't revive him. They're drawing circles and their incantations and everything. They try everything. They can't bring him back. It's never happened before. And they scream, Shmuel, what are you doing? And he smiles. And he says, you want your friend to come back? You've got to agree to a few conditions. And he made some conditions with them, which they agreed to. And Sh- Shmuel let go of his, uh, his uh, spell, so to speak, that was barring the soul from returning to the body. And at that moment, the guy opened his eyes. And he had the book. He had the manuscripts. He had the safer. That's the story they say about Shmuel Hanavi. Fascinating stuff. Anyhow, he has a son, Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid. Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid is born around the mid-1100s. And Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid is very famous for his Sefer HaChassidim, which has the most interesting information and stories there. We saw a piece last week about what he says about asking halachic shilas from women. Not to repeat that now. But Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid was so great... The Baal Shem Tov once heard something Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid said and the Baal Shem Tov responded or commented, it can't be that man had a human mother. It can't be. To say such uh, wisdom, it can't be had a human mother. Rabbi Yehuda HaChosid, he wrote at Savo, like a last will and testament where he has many strange instructions there. And one of them is one should not polish their shoe before they go on a, on a trip. And somebody once asked the Alter Rebbe, what's the meaning behind this? And the Alter Rebbe said, 
If I were to explain the meaning behind this instruction, I would have to write a work bigger than the entire Shalom, just to explain this one thing of Behuda Chosid. He was otherworldly. He fasted every day of his life. He only ate at night. Even Shabbos, he wouldn't eat. Shabbos day, he wouldn't eat. From morning till night, he wouldn't eat. The Shulchan Aruch says, Shabbos day, fast? You can't fast on Shabbos. Oinek Shabbos. It says in Yeshaya, the Karasul is Shabbos saying, you have to enjoy. But the Shulchan Aruch says, but if somebody, by eating by day, they're going to be um, changing their usual diet and therefore will result with stomach pains. So for them, pleasure is to fast. And the source is Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid. For him, Oinik Shabbos was not to eat. If he would eat, it would cause a, you know, severe stomach pain because he never ate by day. Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid had a student, Rabbi Lazar, of Vermeiser of Worms. And he's like number three in this chain of the Hasidic Ashkenaz. Rabbi Lazar of Worms, he's known as the Reikeach, the Reikeach, Rabbi Lazar Reikeach. And he wrote many, many Sfarim. Many Sfarim. Lots of gematrius, lots of secrets and stuff like that. He was also a big Baal Nigla as well, but uh, particularly in Kabbalah. And like I said, there are those that attribute the Raziel HaMalach that we have today to, to him because it's so similar to some of the other things he writes in his farm. Those are the Hasidic Ashkenaz. The Kabbalists of France. Who were the Kabbalists of France? The Ravid, the famous Ravid that argues on the Rambam, he argued on many people. Rabbi Avram ben David, he lives in France. He was a major Kabbalist. As he writes himself in a number of places, he writes, when he argues on the Rambam, he says, how do I know what I'm saying is true? In one place he says, Kach I know this because God's secrets appear to those that fear him. In other words, like he knows spiritually. In one place he says, Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit has appeared in our, in, our, in our base medrash, and therefore we know the Pshat is ABC. There are some Poiskim who believe the Ravid was just being poetic. You know, he didn't really mean that he experienced spirituality. But, uh, but many take it at face value, because you'll see what Darizal said about the Ravid. He was a major Kabbalist, and Elio Anovi appeared to him, and therefore... There's no reason not to take the rivet at face value. Literally, he knew some of these halachas from spiritual revelation. His son, Rabbi Yitzchak Saginor, Rabbi Yitzchak the Blind. Saginor means a lot of light. It's a euphemism. It's how the Gemara refers to someone who can't see. He has great vision. Rabbi Yitzchak the Blind was the rivet's son. And he was uh, one of the most famous Kabbalists of the Rishonim. His father, the Ravid, is more famous for his halachas that he said than for the mysticism. But his son, Rabbi Yitzchak Saginor, is famous as a mystic. And uh, the Rishonim themselves write stories about him. First of all, he would be able to come into a room of a sick person. He would take in the air and he would know if the person would live or the person would die. He would just be able to know. In addition, Rabbi Yitzchak was an expert in Gilgulim. He could look at a person and tell them if this is the first time their soul has come to this world or if this is, you've been here before. He could look at a person's face and be able to tell. Rabbi Yitzchak, what? 
Technicality. He didn't have physical sight, but in order to feel, he, the forehead had to be in front of him. Chachmas Adam Torah a person's wisdom shines on their face. So even though he couldn't see, he needs to be in the vicinity of the face to be able to feel the person's soul. Your soul, energy. the energy comes through your face, your forehead, your, you know, even just to be there, just to feel it. But it's a good question. Rabbi Yitzchak taught Kabbalah to many people. Two of them are Rabbi Ezra and Rabbi Uzriel. And then they in turn taught Kabbalah to the Ramban. The Ramban, and you have the years of the Ramban over here. The Ravid, if you look at the years, the, the, the Ramban was four years old when the Ravid passed away. These, these years are accurate. Yeah. The Ramban, yeah, yeah I, I wrote them. <laughs> if, I, if I wasn't sure, I wrote Ish or something like that. But these, the Ravid passed away. The truth is 1198 might be off by a year or two, but not much, not much. The Ramban was definitely a child when the Ravid passed away. <clears throat> According to these dates, four, even if they're off by a year or two, you know, he was still a, a child. Now go back to the papers, go to number two. Go to number two on the papers. Number two is from the Rikanti, Menachem Rikanti. Menachem Rikanti was a standalone Kabbalist in Italy in the 1200s. So he wasn't really, we don't even know who his teachers were. Neither his students. He was kind of a standalone Kabbalist. In his commentary to Parshas Nossa, he's speaking about the Duchening, when a Kayan Duchens, and uh, he gives a few explanations. And then look what he says in number two. The first Pirish I gave, this is the opinion of the pious man, Ben Haravzal. The, the Rav refers to the Ravid, Rabitzchak the son. Because Elio Anavi himself came to Rabitzchak the blind. First of all, Elio came to Rabitzchak. The Ravid's father is David. So you have David, the son of Avram, Avram, the son of David, the Ravid, and his son, Rabbi Yitzchak, the blind. Kinigla the Reb David, Elio came to Reb David, Av Bezdin, Velamad loy chachmes and he taught Kabbalah to the Ravid's father. Umasra lebnoi haRavid, and the Ravid's father gave it to the Ravid. Vegam loy nigla, and also to the Ravid Elio appeared. Vuhu, and then the Ravid does the same to his child. Masoro Lebnoi, he gives it to the Yitzchak Saginor. Shaloi Ra who never saw it. He didn't lose his vision later in life. He was born without the capacity to see. Vagam Loi and also to him Elio appeared. So Elio appeared to all three. To the David, to his son Avram, the Ravid, and to his son Rabbi Yitzchak. Vuhu, and Rabbi Yitzchak Masoro, he gave the traditions to two of his students. Rab Ezra. Shapirish, who explained the Shira Shirim, and the Achaz Rebuzriel. Vachren, after them, the Rambanzal. They both taught the Ramban. So the Rikanti gives over the history that we just went through. He says it all right here. And the Rikanti wrote this in about the year 1300. Okay, so you don't have to rely on me. This is from over 700. He's almost, you know, he's right after this whole... Uh, right. he was... No, he overlapped with the Ramban. The, the Rikanti would have been a young man when the Ramban was still alive. Benotam, 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 sorry, Benotam, yeah. Rabbeinu Gershom came in when Shmuel Anovi's family moved to Germany, right, right, yeah. Benotam passes away 
in about the year 1040. That was when Rabbi Rab Shmuel Achosid's grandparents the moved Gershman to Germany. The the right, he kind of started, right, German Jewry, right. Says Rikanti Vadas Hasheni, the second pshat I gave, Chidashtiv Melibi. I said it's my own pshat, Mikoyach Divri Razal, but it's based on, you know, Chazal. And all the pshatim are all the words of God, if he may say so himself about his own pshat. The Rikanti was, was a great Kabbalist. And uh, so here he gives the tradition, but he was, it's funny, the Rikanti was a kind of a standalone. He was in Italy. We don't even know who his teachers were, but Chassidus uh, quotes him. He had a whole opinion on about the Esospheris. The Rikanti, by the way, quotes the Zoyer often, and uh, he was about the year thirteen hundred, which which is important, as we'll see. Okay, if you go back, to, okay, we got to get a move on. Let's look at number three for a second, because we're all leading to the Zoya. We're going to be leading to the Zoya over here. That's what you all came for, right? And I hope I don't disappoint. And if I do, just don't tell me. Number three is from the Seder Hadiris, a story about the Ramban and one of his teachers. We don't know which teacher. Some say it was Reb Ezra or Reb Ezreel that we saw taught the Ramban. But let's see number three. When the Ramban was younger, he didn't learn... The Ramban didn't uh, have an interest in Kabbalah. The Ramban was not interested in Kabbalah when he was younger. Until one day, a great master of Kabbalah knocks on the Ramban's door. He sees the Ramban was so, he loved to learn. And he was such a Chacham Gadol, such a great uh, sage. So this stranger told the Ramban, can I teach you Kabbalah? But the Ramban was uninterested. One day, this Chacham somehow snuck into a, a house of, um, of um, a, right, um, a, a parlor of, of a harlot. Snuck in? That harem, it says somehow he snuck in. He went into the, you know, the inner courtyard. And this rabbi, this Kabbalist, this great Kabbalist, right, he was caught. The Donul is for they were going to make an order defer, going to burn him on Shabbos Kodesh. Now, why such a severe punishment? In some other sources, they say he didn't go into a house of, of harlots. He walked into a church and broke all the idols. Either way, he was thrown in jail. Vayivoda hadover the Ramban. No, it's all the same thing. <laughs> the Ramban found out. The Ramban had connections in the government, but he didn't want to... Ramban thought this guy was, was a quack. The Chochem who's in jail, he sends to the Ramban to come on that Shabbos, and the Ramban came. And the prisoner, the Kabbalist, tells the Ramban, he screams, why didn't you help me get out of here? And the Ramban says, what do you mean? What did you do? Why did you do what you did? So he excused himself, said, it's all false. It's all false. I never happened. And I trust in God, God will save me. And he tells the Ramban, please, when you eat Shalashuddhas, prepare an you know, extra seat for me. The Ramban thinks, this guy's getting killed Shabbos, you know, 8 a.m. <laughs> he, he's coming to me, for, he's telling me he's coming for Shalashuddhas. <laughs> the guy is mamish off the wall. Bayoim Shabbos Kodesh, on Shabbos, Hoitziyu HaChochem, Bechachmas HaKabola Beshuk, 
this wise Kabbalist, they took him out to the market to publicly burn, Litzrev to burn him, and they threw him into the fire. But this Chacham did some practical Kabbalistic tricks, and he exchanged himself with a donkey. They threw a donkey instead, and somehow no one realized. It was a big fire. <laughs> you, never, you never know, it could be that he, he, he uh, exchanged himself with one of the Goyim, but... Uh, when they printed the safer, they, they didn't want to say that, so they wrote a donkey. It could be donkey is a muscle. No, you have to be Correct. careful what you write, because the goyim, you know, you know they, they checked over many... Exactly. What? They'll burn you. Exactly. So they wrote donkey. My feeling is it wasn't really a donkey, and this is just a cover-up, but I don't know, I wasn't there. Either way. Anyhow, so the guy escapes, and he goes to the Ramban after Mincha. He comes to Ramban's house, the The Ramban was making Kiddush. I guess Ramban was eating late. He's making Kiddush, and as he says, and the door opens, and the guy comes in and says, Amen. And then Amban's like, you know, almost drops his becher, right? Like the guy's actually here. Who so, the Jews were going to burn him? No, 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 no. The Goyim, the Goyim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The Goyim, the Goyim. And then the Kabbalist says to Ramban, Now you see that the Kabbalah is not a joke. So the Ramban was all excited to learn it. They go through fire. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. And then the Ramban, from then on, he, you know, morning and evening, he was learning Kabbalah until he became the greatest Kabbalist of his time. In the, this, this is written 300 years ago by the Seder Hadiris. He doesn't say who was this Kabbalist, but many say it was Reb Ezra or Reb Uzriel, one of the two people that we saw, who the Ramban learned from in this wondrous chain, right? The Ramban learned from them. They learned from Reb Yitzchak the Blind, who got from his father the Rabbi, who got from Elio, etc. So they say this was Reb Ezra or Reb Uzriel, one of the two, and this is how he got the Ramban on board. Fine. What does it have to do with the Zoyer? Wait, did he do it on purpose to get the Ramban's attention? It's anyone's guess? Now you're becoming a conspiracy. He says he did nothing. He told the Ramban the whole thing was a fabrication. He was framed. Who knows? Who knows? Well, if he's a Kabbalist, he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the real deal, the real, the real deal Kabbalists from way back. Anyhow, please go back to the list of names. And uh, now we're going to turn our attention towards desire. But a bit of background. The Kabbalists of Spain. The truth is Ramban himself lived in Spain, but he was in the northern Spain, in Girona and Barcelona, and also he spent much of his youth in France, and it could be that's where he learned Kabbalah as well. So I listed him in the Kabbalist of France because he's just part of that chain. He's an Ashkenazi, basically. The Marshal says, the Ramban, Although the Ramban was Fardi, he still recognized the truth. What the Marshal means, what the Marshal means, I'm taking out of context, what he means is, although the Ramban was a Sfardi, he realized that the true way of learning Gemara was from the Teisrus. That they plummeted the real depth even more than the great Rishonim of, of, uh, of Spain. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow um, the Kabbalists of Spain. So we have another, another little dynasty of three people. What's interesting is Bechlal, historically, whenever there was you know, a big movement, there were usually three people at the head. You know, even by the Greek philosophers, we had a long shear about that Hanukkah time, but all the, the pre-Socrates philosophers in the post. And you also, there's a, there's a three generation. You have Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. You know, they're like the kings, you know, the three most famous and 
probably most influential today. Um, philosophers of Greece are those three. You know, the three, um, the three greatest artists in the beginning of the Renaissance, right? Also, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Leonardo and Raphael, also a group of three. Even the three greatest composers, right? They also give a list of three, right? Bach and, um, yeah, and Mozart, exactly. It's funny that there's a... And in, uh, in Torah as well. In fact, the Shalah. The Shalah speaks about the greatest of the Kabbalists, not the medieval times, but from the post-medieval, the Achronim. He gives a list of three. He says, Rab Meir Ibn Gabai, the Avodas HaKodesh, Rab Moshe Cordovero, and his student, the Arizal. And the Shalah says three. These were the three main Kabbalists, you know, closer to his time. But either way, in the Kabbalists of Spain, we also have a list of three. Number one, and these three are teacher, student, student, but they were all close in age. Interestingly, they were very close in age. The first is Avram Abulafia, or Avram Abulafia, also known as Avram Horoy, Avram the seer. When I was a, a bocher, I became infatuated with him because he, uh, his life story, you know, was um, so bizarre, intriguing, exciting, sad, everything. I noticed you give him a day of death. He disappeared. Right, that's why it's a 1291-ish. Yeah. Ish, right. He is from Spain. What? He lived almost 200 years. No. Oh, I'm sorry. It's meant to be a, a, a 12... I'm sorry. Thank you very much. He was born in the early 1200s. It says 11... That is a, a, a typo, a typo. Avram Abulafia, the Abulafia was a famous Fardish family. There are many, there was Tudras Abulafia, Rabmeir Abulafia, for hundreds of years, one of the most notable Sephardic families. You have the Azulais and Abulafia going all the way back. This guy is part of the family, Avram Abulafia. He begins his life when he was young, he had a thirst for the mysticism. And he got hold of the Rambam's Meirin which is philosophy, not Kabbalah, but he loved it. He was a major fan of the Rambam. Although he later became a huge Kabbalist, to him, Meirin was not a contradiction to Kabbalah at all, which has been a major issue amongst Kabbalists for hundreds of years, if philosophy is a good thing or not a good thing. Avram Babalafi was very pro Meirin In fact, he wrote a commentary called Meirin Hamira, the guide of the guide. Because the guide itself needs a guide to take you through it, right? The guide of the guide, Moira HaMoira. Anyhow, he learns Kabbalah from a few different people. And he almost starts his new path of teaching Kabbalah. That the purpose of Kabbalah is not just an academic pursuit. It's to actually see the Eibishter. To commune with God, not just to daven to him, but for the Eibishter to commune with you. To receive real prophecy. And he spoke about prophecies that he had. He had a prophecy in the middle of the 1200s that he was supposed to go to Rome and convert the Pope. He ends up traveling to Rome. He came to Rome. The Pope was not in Rome. He was in a holiday house somewhere. And the Pope heard this, this rabbi is coming. He said, if the rabbi gets anywhere, you know, 500 feet near the house and that's it. He's gonna, we're going to kill him publicly, execute him. He was in his spoil, he traveled, he traveled to the Pope, he located him. When he came there, two things happened. One thing is the Pope suddenly died. 
The second thing is he was cast into prison. What happened first, what happened second is not clear, and it's, it's hard to know exactly what happened first, what happened second. Either way, he was let out, he wasn't killed. And he took this as a sign from the Eibishter that what he's doing is correct. And he gathered a group of students around him and he taught Kabbalah openly. He spoke about Golos's, we're at the end of exile, Mashiach's coming. His students believed, his many farm. his students believed he was Mashiach. Some say he even hinted to the fact he, he was Mashiach. And that made a huge ruckus. And he claimed to have Nevoah's prophecy. At the time, there was a great rabbi in Spain, in Barcelona, the Rashba. The Rashba was living then in Spain. And the Rashba was a Kabbalist too, but he was known as a rabbi. You know, he was a functioning rabbi, uh, a great rabbi in Spain at the time. This is in the end of the 1200s. And he heard about this. In the Rajba's eyes, the guy was a quack, saying he had prophecy. The Rajba wrote letters, sharp letters, really putting Avraham Abulafi in his place, literally plucking the rug from underneath him. When world got wind of the Rajba's letters, most people gave Avraham Abulafi the cold shoulder. He lost all of his students. He moved to Sicily, which was kind of out of the limelight, you know? And he had a big yeshiva in Sicily, in the island of Sicily. But the Rajba's letters, they did their damage. And he really couldn't get a big following. Even within Sicily himself, people gave him a, a hard time. He had to move to an island just south of Sicily. There's a small island there. I forgot the name. No, no, no. The small, I forgot that. Anyhow, but either way, it was at the, this was in around the year 1290, 1291. And he disappears off the map. Don't know where he's buried. It was a very sad end. He was, he was a, an exilee forced to flee. Nobody wanted to give him the time or day. He ha- we have a letter of his that he wrote to a friend. It's a printed letter we have today. Where he says, I know the great Rajpa um, condemned me for ABC. He says, I'm, gu- I'm innocent of all of it. You know, he really vindicated himself in this letter. But it didn't help. It didn't help. And he passed away. We don't even know where he was last seen, where he's buried. It's very sad. It happens to be that Reb Chaim Vital, Darizal's great student, <coughs> quotes his farm. He quotes, he quotes from Avraham Avli openly. He quotes verbatim, yeah, quoting him openly. Not just that, the great Kabbalist before the Arizal, Rabbi Moshe Cordovero, he openly quotes Avrom Abulafi as well. So the Chidon notes this. The Chidon, one of his forum, says that in Avrom Abulafi's times, he was an outcast and he died as a, a wandering exilee, as a nomad with nowhere to go. But a little later, the greatest Kabbalist picked him back up. And therefore, one. I don't think they attribute it to him. Like, Chaim doesn't mention Abulafi's name. He quotes the Sefer. It's word for word from him. Right. But I don't think he it's says... In Shari, it. it's, it's in Shari Kedushi, he quotes yeah. it. We could check when he mentions his name. But it's, uh, he, na- he mentions the name of the Sefer, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. it comes from him. Listen, those details we could check up. We could... Yeah. Uh, fine. Either way, Avram Abulafi. So it's a fascinating story, you know. He was a, a self-proclaimed Mashiach, a master Kabbalist. He was put in Cherem. He dies as a nomad. Hundreds of years later, he has episode resurrection. Fascinating fellow. He has a student by the name of Yosef Gigatila. Yosef Gigatila also wrote many works of Kabbalah. 
And I wrote two of them here because these works are studied today. In fact, Reb Chaim Velozhner, the student of the Vilna Gaon, said, there's a chiv to learn the whole Torah, right? But you don't have to learn the entire Torah. You have to learn Tanakh, you have to learn Halacha, and then you have to learn, you know, the basic reasons behind Halacha. But when it comes to the element of Kabbalah, how much do you have to learn? There's so much out there. And Chaim Vital said, I'm sorry, Reb Chaim Velozhner, Reb Chaim Velozhner said, as a psak, halachic psak, Zoyhar and the Shari Oira from Yosef Gigatila. When you do that, you have fulfilled your command of learning, of knowledge of Torah as far as uh, the Soyd is concerned, as far as Kabbalah is concerned. Yosef Gigatila, there's actually a number of Psokim and Halacha that come from him. We say, Amen Yehesh Meirabim, we say all the way till Yisborech. Ashkenazim, we go to Ashkenazic Shul, they stop before Yisparach, right? And they all look at the Labavitch who finishes to say Yisparach. <laughs> so you tell them, Yosef Gigatil is the one who says you go all the way to Yisparach. The wow. fact that with Kiddush Levana, the Altarebbe says in the Siddur to wait till the seventh day, many people are not careful about that. It comes from Yosef Gigatila. So these, anyhow, Yosef Gigatila, there's a story, he was very ill. He was worried he was about to pass. And he, he loses consciousness. And he sees himself being judged in heaven. This story is quoted by the Haredim 500 years ago. So this is an, you know, a real authentic story. He has a vision that he's being judged and his mitzvahs naveris were equal. And all of a sudden he wakes up, you know, and he was, he was, he was ill at the time. He screams, get me my tefillin, I need to do one more mitzvah, you know. Grabbed this film, donned this film. The Haredim brings the story. Anyhow, he is a student, Moshe de Leon. Moshe Ibn Shemtev was his last name. And um, de Leon, known as Mo- Moshe de Leon. He uncovers the Zohar. Now, when did he live? We don't know the exact years of his birth or of his death, but this is roughly. He was born in the 1240s and he passed away sometime in the early 1300s. There's speculation. In fact, there's a debate of almost 20 years exactly. So, but roughly, we have an idea. In the end of the 1200s, he uncovers, according to his claim, he uncovers the Zoyer. Where did he find it? Some say he found it in Turkey, somewhere in Turkey, where it was hidden. I don't know. But his claim was very clear. His claim was that these were, he found old, old manuscripts, which had been sitting there for who knows how long, decayed, uh, corroded, you know. So he couldn't, dist- he had to um, copy it on a fresh manuscript, fresh ink, fresh paper. And he had to make a seder because he found all these scrolls. Some of it probably wasn't legible, something, you know. So he had to pluck out whatever he could. <clears throat> Geniza? What? Found it in buried somewhere. Buried somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Geniza, somewhere buried. Who knows where? He's an archaeologist, too. Mm-hmm. Now. What's the Zoyer published? What, what's the Zoyer? The, the Zoyer has many, many so parts to it. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right, there's also, if you look at every parsha you have, there's the Zoyer. There's. there's in the Zoyer, there's almost like 10 parts. There's, some, there's the Zoyer. There's something called Medrash Hanelim, the hidden Medrash. 
There's something called the Sisrei Torah, the Secrets of Torah. Something called Rose de Rosen, Secrets of Secrets. There's a big chunk called the Toisefta, the part that was added. There's the Idra, whenever, it, there's two Idras, which are when, you know, the Idra Rabba and the Idra Zutta, which is a gathering. Um, when all the Chachamim would gather together, and that was recorded. And then there's the Tikkunei Zoyer, there's the Zoyer Chadosh, there's so many parts to it. The Raya Mehemna, the Raya, so the Raya Mehemna is, is, a, is on all the mitzvahs. So whenever you have a parsha that speaks about a mitzvah, the Raya Mehemna is going to dissect the mitzvah. Kabbalistically, but speak about the mitzvah. Did he uncover all these parts, but not necessarily. L'chair or not, l'chair or not, But like I mentioned, the Rikanti, who passed away in the early 1300s, he quotes in his Sefer from the Zoya. He lives in Italy. So either he got, you know, quick, a quick copy from, you know, Moshe de Leon uncovers it in, let's say, 1280, 1290. Okay, you know, it could be. It took a few years until it was such a... It, it was very exciting because <clears throat> according to our tradition that is from Rav Shimon Bayechai, which is Moshe de Leon's claim, Moshe de Leon claimed the entire time this is from Rav Shimon Bayechai. And... According to that tradition, people knew that there was something. No, the people knew there was a medrash of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. People had known about it, right? Especially those individuals in each that generation that learned Kabbalah knew that there was a medrash of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. There's a the halacha. It's halachic medrash, right? But the, but no, but they knew that there was a right. They knew that there was a pneumistic medrash of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, and the issue was. No one, had, no, no one knew where it was. It was, you know, it was like an enigma. There was a legend. And then when someone claimed to have found it, you could imagine the excitement. You, know, you could imagine the electricity. And that's why it makes sense that within just a couple of years, there would have been so many manuscripts. People would have sent, people would have traveled far to get a copy of that. So it makes sense that the Rikanti got hold of it almost right away. Now, the first one to mamish come out against the Zoyer um, Biksav, to ride against the Zoyer, was a fellow, Rebeliohu del Medigo. Elio del Medigo. Del Medigo means the doctor. Medigo, medic. And Elio del Medigo was born in the year 1458. So here's a long time later. Not because we don't have anything written. We have nothing written. People would have been skeptical, like always, but nothing. No, no, nobody took responsibility to write something and sign their name. This Elio del Medigo lived in Padua. He was actually a professor in the big college in Padua. He was a, a very learned man. He died young in his 30s, if we have the dates correct. But he wrote a sefer called Bechinas Hadas. Where he comes out and says he that, he thinks Kabbalah is uh, the whole Kabbalah he doesn't know where it comes from which religion it comes from he doesn't think it's very Jewish and the Zoyer in particular he says it's not from Rashbi not it's not from Rav Shimon Bar Yechai that's what he tied it and he died young now look in number four so did the Arizal so did the Ramchal look in number four thirty eight so yeah it's the same same as Arizal. Look at number four. Number four, I have here a story. Okay, we're going okay, to fasten things up over here. This is a story from the Torah Tamima. 
the Baruch Epstein, the Torah Tmima, about 150 years ago, the son of the, or exactly. And he quotes the story in number four. Hoya Abba, my father, Baal Oruch HaShulchan, the great halachist, Oruch HaShulchan, Masapra told over. Ki b'meshech hayomim, at one time, Asher also im harav, he came to the Tzemach Sedek. The Oruch HaShulchan, who was a big litvisher, visited the Tzemach Sedek. What? Wasn't he Yeah, yeah, but he definitely visited. He was... You know, he was uh, he was more pative. He was a uh, and the tzemach you know, he was uh, he wanted to speak the tzemach sedek in learning. Loi pam, not once, means more than once. Ro somuch loy sefer bechinas hadas. The aruch hashulchan saw on the tzemach sedek's table was this sefer bechinas hadas, which is the first sefer undermining the zayir. Mm-hmm. See, so you wonder why am I mentioning this year? The tzemach sedek had it on his table. Laharav Achoiker to the um, the philosopher Varoif and the doctor Elio from Kondaya. Kondaya is today known as a Heraklion. It's a city in the Mediterranean. Yeah, yeah, sure. The Dolmedugo. Right, right. So quick. No, no, no. The Haya Nira. It looked like the Tzemach said they didn't just stop. Sometimes people have Sfarim on their tables they never use, just you know, just to be there. He says, but keep uh, your friends close, your enemies exactly. close. <laughs> <laughs> but the Tzemach Sedek was looking in the... Se- so the, the, the Torah Tzmima says, Why did he have the Sefer so close to him? <clears throat> like I said. It must be that the Tzemach Sedek had a reason. Maybe was to know what to argue against. I was going to say. <laughs> Because the Tzemach Sedek had many, many debates. Every time he went to Peterburg, exactly, the Tzemach Sedek, from all the Rabbeim, the Tzemach Sedek had many, many debates with Reformed Jews, with from the Enlightenment movement, Reformed Haskola. Whenever he went to Peterburg, they were always harassing him. And that's, some, that's why the Tzemach Sedek actually wrote a book in philosophy called Sefer HaChakiri. He wrote a philosophical book proving the existence of Hashem, etc., which is not usually what Chassidus does. So the Tzemach Sedek apparently needed to know this Sefer because he knew these people were going to quote it. So he had to be well-versed with the whole thing. Anyhow. Look in number five. At that point, though, there were other already written. Against the Zoya? No, no. The, oh, you're saying the time of the Tzemach Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, 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 sure. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Let's go, let's go. Let's go. That's the guy who says the coin is to give back the money. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Look at number five now. Number five. Number five is from the safer. Okay, we got to get. It's from the safer Mogain Vitsina. Mogain Vitsina was written by a grand student of the Vilnagon, meaning somebody who was a student student. His name was Yitzchak Isaac Hever, a very famous Kabbalist amongst the Misnagdim. A very, he was a great Kabbalist and a great Rav. Sure, sure, sure. So Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Hever says, you know what I think about the Bechinas Hadas, the Sefer written in the 1400s to uproot Kabbalah? The Chold Vara Vredivrei Havolov Shela Machaber Bechinas Hadas, all of the rubbish that he says, ain't Kedai Lohoshiv Aleim, it's not even worth it to respond. He was um, drawn after the Goyisha woman. That's it's from a pasuk. It means foreign wisdoms. He was 
Eliyahu Dalmedigo was a doctor, was a scientist. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He was from. No, the Chorah means Greek Greek philosophy. He was happy to have Goyesha children. It means ideas that are born from foreign books. It could be he read such... I don't know. It could be... Um, he does, he, you know, we don't know how far his uh, accusation has gone. He was far from true belief. Wow. This is Yitzchak Isaac Chavr, a great Kabbalist 200 years ago, saying about the Elio, the doctor who wrote the Bechinah Sadas. Of, um, he was a grandson of the Gaon. He was a student of Yisrael of Shklov, I think. Okay. I think Yisrael of Shklov. This is a grandson of the Grand student, a grand student. He was known by the Litvishes. Yeah, 300. He's called the Peshlishi. In the Litvisha world, this guy, number five, is called the third mouth. Because there are many ideas of Kabbalah from the Vilna Gaon that we only know from him. The whole Tanois of everything he gets, says against the Chach Meemes, against Kabbalah, it's already found in another sefer we'll get to. And the words of both of them is all rubbish. They have the same mouth. And when you destroy what the Ari Hanoyim says, you'll also destroy the Bechinus Hadas. Wow. It will be like Worthenware, which has no sub- shattered Worthenware. Now, hold, let's go to the next page, because I want to just finish up over here. So, um, this Elio del Medigo had a great-great-grandson a fascinating fellow, also had the same last name. He was called the Yosher, the straight one. Yosef Shloimer Reufer. Yosef Shloimer, the doctor. And first of all, just to see a story about him in number six, an absolute whopper. This guy lives in the early 1600s. He printed mm. his El Tzedah Sefer Bechinas Hadas. So he was responsible for the damage that it did. On the other hand, he printed it together with his own Sefer, defending the Zoyer. So he printed his El Tzedah's book, debunking the Zoyer, and his own Sefer, supporting the Zoyer. In number six, just to follow, I'll just tell you the story, a, a fascinating story. In the time of the Yosher, he's known as the Yosher of Kondaya, which is the city in, in Crete, where he's from. In his days, he had 500 students, great scholars, they started to learn philosophy. They learned Mer Nevuchim. They all became fry, each and every one of the 500. They denied the Eibishter, or at least that the Eibishter cares about what goes on in the world. And they all came to the Tzaddik, the Yashra of Kandaya, and they said, listen, you don't have answers to our questions. You've got to agree with us. He, he, he hears them out, and Achozasoy Palotsos, he's taken with dread. He said... I'm not answering you now. Well, the truth is, it says he started, so he started to debate with them, but he saw that they weren't ready for answers at that time. It wasn't going anywhere. He said, give me a little bit of time. They said, okay. The Yashra of Kandaya sent letters to some big Rabbonim to come ASAP. They came to him. He told them the story. There's 500 Bachrim. They've all gone fry. We got a, we got a Fabreng. A Fabreng isn't going to do it. We have to academically respond to their queries and questions. So he and these rabbis fasted night and day. For three days, 72 hours, night and day they fasted. No food, no drink. After 72 hours, the Yosher of Kandaya gets up from the ground. He says, i got to do this for God, which means he didn't daven, didn't learn for the next while. Skipped, Phyllis skipped everything. 
and he was just writing, writing. And he wrote a sefer called Sefer Elim, which is in print. Then all the students came back. He gave them the sefer. And with the sefer, he brought them all back, and they all became from again, all 500 of them. Fascinating. The Sefer Elim is a very interesting book about all types of chachmas, of medicine, all types of very interesting things. That's what it says, right. They all became, uh, wow. he brought all 500 back. Unbelievable. With this Sefer. So this is, this, now again, his name is Yosef Shloyma, the doctor, or in Latin maybe Del Medigo, the doctor. And he was a great-grandson of Eliyahu, the guy who first wrote the attack on the Zoyer. And like I said, the great-grandson, the Yosher, he prints his great-grandfather's Sefer, but alongside it, he writes his own defense for the Zoyer. So on the one hand, he brought to the world his Elta Zeta's attacks, but he wrote his own defenses. This book that he wrote for them... Sefer Elim, it's, it's extant, yeah. It's like Zoyer stuff? No, 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 it's, uh, it's no, Chachma. In Yone Chachma, science is all types of fascinating nature, Jews, personalities. Jews, Judaism, no, I guess, in it. Well, it's in the brackets, they tie in here, the Vartis, that he showed them all of his wisdom, and that just, that blew them away, and he's still a from Jew. Uh, that, that, you know, mm. so, but... That he had so much secular wisdom. I know, I know, right, right, right. I'm not a bucking, I've read a little bit, I'm not a bucking the whole book, so I don't know if there's, it could be in some place he, he deals head on with the proof of God, I don't know. Anyhow, number seven. The book still exists today and you can like read it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Say for Alem, you can get it, you can get it, it's there. Enjoy. Looks like it's translated. Oh, wow, look at that. Well, you have English, Google Translation. I'll trade it for you. you know? It'll be harder to read their English translation, right, than the original Hebrew. Anyhow, so um, let's just finish up over here. So that was the first big bang against the Zoyer. was in the 1400s by Elio del Medigo. Okay, okay we're going to continue late, so let's just finish up. A little bit later, there was a great man by the name of Yankiv Emden. And he's the same age as the Baal Shem Tov, born Mamish about the same time, in 1698 that time. But he lives for longer than the Baal Shem Tov. He passes away in the 1770s. And Rabbi Yankiv Emden is famous. He questions the status of Koenim these days. He said Yonis and Ibishitz was a follower of Shabzai Tzvi. He said the Ramchal was a follower of Shabzai Tzvi. He said Zalman Henna, the great um, medactic, doesn't know what he's talking about. Then he fought, you know, he, you know, he had his hands in almost every machlekas of the time he was involved. The Get of Cleves, he was involved in everything, everything he was involved in. And uh, he was incredible, uh, no question about it. And he wrote so many books. One of his forum is called Mitpachas Forum. Mitpachas Forum. And in it, he really has a shot at the Zoyer. He does concede many of the ideas come from Rashbi, but the format we have today was definitely later, much later. He thinks Moshe de Leon might have had a hand in formatting some of the stuff, adding some of the stuff, maybe some people Moshe de Leon's time, some people after. He really puts the, you know, shakes up the whole Zoya that what you see there, you know, the, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta be wary of what you see in the Zoya. Now, the Chidor says, this is in the Chidor's Sefer Shem Hagdolim. V'ro'isi b'havoda ba'alma, I saw in passing, she'osa plilis that Yankiv Emden wrote wondrous stuff. Ad she'kosav she'ein no'i 
he says that the Zoya was not written by Dashpi. By the way, even those that say it's from Rab Shem which is our tradition, we believe it was probably written by his students, and he, you know, he dictated the Torahs. But either way, Yankov is not from Atana, from someone much later. And all the wondrous things Yankov Emdus says, you've got to be wary. Says the Chidol of at first glance, how could he say that Bechlal or you know, what he says generally in the details, the rabbis of the Torah, Moshe Kordavero, the Arizal, who had Ruach HaKodesh, Elio came to them. The whole world has heard about them. They're against Yankov Emden. They say that, that the Zoyer, you know, we should treat it as whatever's there is sourced in Rav Shimon Bar Yechai. Uh, how could Yankov Emden come out against the greatest Kabbalists? That's what the Chidah, the Chidah, the Chidah is the same time as Yankov Emden. A couple years younger, but you know, most, you know, they're, they're living the same time. He said, it doesn't make sense. How could Yankov Emden say, like, what's he thinking? Lochen, he says, nearly. He says, Gam He says, says the Chidah, Yankov Emden believes in the Zayar. You know why he came out against it? Because Yankov Emden spent a big chunk of his life fighting against Shabzai Tzvi's followers. That's why he came out against Yonis and Ibishitz and the Ramchal. Shabzai Tzvi's followers based lots of their shenanigans on the Zayar. Whenever they wanted to alter halacha, they would blame it on something they found in the Zoyer. So Yankov Emden, to stop the movement in its tracks, wanted to say, you blame it on the Zoyer? What's the Zoyer? Who's Zoyer? What's Zoyer? Who wrote the Zoyer? It was to undermine the fuel that the Shabzite's Phoenix had. That's what he says. Ach bikinosa, in his, in his zealousness, on the cursed group of Shabzite's Phoenix that were transgressing on serious Averis, the Tolu Atzmam, they... they um, uh, the, supported themselves with the Zoyer's language. You know, obviously they were misconstruing the Zoyer. But Yankov Emden said, I'm not even going to get into the nitty gritty. The whole Zoyer is just off the shelf. Lachin, therefore, Hera upon him, therefore, Yankov Emden, to really knock him out. Yankov Emden felt that for the benefit of the time, it's necessary to say these outlandish attacks against the Zoyer. Pasha to save Judaism, but not that he actually believed us. That's what the Chidot says. Now, there are, there are you know, Kabbalistic historians who question, you know, if this is true, that was Yankov Emden's intent, he should have hinted it somewhere. The fact that he writes so openly against the Zoyer and he let everyone believe that he was, you know, why did he allow the whole world to assume he was against the Zoyer if truthfully in his heart he didn't believe what he wrote. You would have to find somewhere in his writings a hint to this. So they questioned the Chidah. Eliminates, eliminates the you think maybe in a letter to someone or he would have told someone would have said, I heard from Yankov and... What? The followers of Shabtai Tzvi followed the Ari and followed other Sifri Kabbalah. Right, right, he right. Them. Correct, correct. Good question. I believe the answer is that when they wanted to thwart Halacha, 
they couldn't base themselves on languages of Arizal. They had much more fuel from the Zoyer. The Arizal, you know, is so... Yes, that's not a good argument. No, but certain explanations of mitzvahs they found in the Zoyer, they say, oh, you see how the Zoyer explains the mitzvah? Based on that, it only applies a certain time, a certain place, doesn't apply now, etc., etc. I guess they found, apparently, they didn't uh, find much source in the Arizal. Had they, who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Correct, correct. But apparently, the they're playing with halacha. They didn't find fuel in Arizal's writings. Okay, let's just finish off because uh, what did the Chassam Soifer say about the Zoyer? The Chassam Soifer said about the Zoyer the following statement. The Chassam Soifer said, if we would have, if you would select from the Zoyer the parts that are actually mamish from the Rashbi, not that were added later even by the Rashbi students and their students. If you would select the raw stuff that came from the Rashbi's mouth, the whole Zoyer would be a couple pages. Would be etliche, etliche dafen, etliche blätter. The Chassam Soifer, and the Chassam is mainstream. The Chassam Soifer said everything that we have was added. Now, when was it added is a big difference. If it was Rashbi's students, no, <laughs> you know, even their students. In other words, was it Tanoin that added it? Is he saying it's a problem? No, the Chassam Soifer was just saying about, about this whole debate. No, most of the Zoya was written by, by Rababa. Rav, Rav in the Gemara is Rav Abba, the Rashbi student. Anyhow, but look at number eight. I want to show you number eight. Number eight is um, from the Divrei Yisrael, who was a Rav uh, uh, 50 years ago in, uh, in Budapest. He says, Yodua, it's known. They brought to the Chassam Sefer the Sefer Bar Yechai. What, there's a Sefer called Bar Yechai, which was written to boost up the Zoya, you know they brought it to the Chassam Sofer. You know what the Chassam Sofer said? I had more geschmack reading Yankee Vemdom's critique of the Zoyer than the Bar Yechai's defense of the Zoyer. Look, look what he said. He said, It's more sweeter to me the words of my beloved, of the Yaivitz, Yankee Vemdom, than from Bar Yechai's responses. Bar Yechai responded to Yankee. Bar Yechai is supporting the Zoyer, responding to Yankee Vemdom's questions. The Chassam Sofer... I don't know. I remember. I don't know his name. No, 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 no. But he says because the 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 divrei Yisrael says by the Chassam Soifer, the Gank of Emden was 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 unquestionable. Baduk Manusa as a big believer, and Yank of Emden said what he said because he really believed that much of the Zoya was added later and this and that, and uh, he was a, a, a fifty years ago a big rov in, in Budapest. He didn't in like Hungary. But. Uh, but he's, uh, he, he's testifying. He's saying that there's a tradition in his circles that the Chassam Sofer said this statement. Mistapik uh, Ve'oil is from, is from the Loshan of uh, on Musaf and Yom Kippur. About the, the, the coin drying himself and going out. Mistapik Ve'oil means not so sure about it. It's, the Chassam Sofer felt that the Bar Yechai guy was responding because... He wanted to respond, but he himself wasn't so sure about what he was writing. Anyhow, but it's interesting. No, I said, I said two things. The Chamsoifer said if we would only have what Rashbi said, it would be a few pages. That's recorded elsewhere. In this Sefer, it's recorded. The Chamsoifer said, I enjoyed more reading the critique. The critique 
the chasams that the riyank of Emden had than the responses that the Bar Yechai fellow wrote. So who is this person who's writing? The Divri Yisrael. He was a rav in Budapest fifty years ago. Well, he was a big rav. This is, where is the source to that? He says Yodua. It's known. Everyone knows. We don't know. He knew. When he was a bacher, all the bacher knew about it. It was it was passed on. It was passed on. This is the same. This is the same person that went for the square matzos by the machine matzos. No, that was his son, the Chasam Surfer's son, the Ksav Surfer. Oh. His son, the Chasam brother-in-law also went for the machine matzos. Shloim Eger, the Chasam Surfer Alain. We don't know what he. Uh, anyhow, so there there were big people who came out. There's a few more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna end it now. But look at number nine. Number number nine really shakes the boat for me. The Benish Chai, number nine is the Benish Chai, Yosef Chaim of Baghdad, who were closer to our time, the Rebbe Rashab's times, you know, passes away a hundred years ago. He was a great, a great Kabbalist and halacha authority for the Sephardim in Baghdad. And he says, this is in his Shuvah, called Rav Pa'olim, he says, in Zoyer HaKadosh, there are things that the Arizal said are not from the Zoyer. Somebody, a, a Johnny come lately, stuck it in. And those that copied the Zoyer, the printer, every time was copied, people stuck in more things. And then, and then says the Benish Chai, look at what Yankiv Emden said about it. Yankiv Emden found things that were added later. Many things. And the Benish Chai says, he quoted from the Arizal. But where, where? I've looked around, tried to find, I haven't found. The Benish Chai says, the Arizal said, which, which is, uh, what did Abayim say? The Zoyer is Kula Kaddish, Kula, Kula Kaddish. It's all holy. That, but I don't know, I don't know if, the, if any of the Rabbeim ever said that every word comes from Mashpi. I don't think they ever dealt with right. They never dealt with the issue head on. It was always known by Chassidim, the Zoyer is Kula Kaddish. But you have here the Benish Chai saying that the Arizal said, what? That's the thing, it's not just... Yeah, but the Sephardim for sure, even by Badashkenazim right. Except, except there are a few big misnagdim who like to quote the Tshuva Me'ava. Who the Tshuva Me'avar Rebeloza Fleckles, he was the greatest student of the Noide Behuda. You're talking Prague 1700s. The Noide Behuda wrote, a, yeah, the Noide Behuda in Adrosha also was a bit wary of the Zoyer. But his student, the Tshuva Me'avar, has a letter, a printed letter. Whoo! It's so sharp that the copy machine wouldn't even let me copy it. It was just, it was <laughs> going to destroy the whole. About all the Zoyar? He says, he writes like this. I'm going to quote his words because he was a big rov and his chuvas are very important halacha. We've quoted him before in the shiurim. Now I don't know if I'll quote him again. He won't let me, but we've quoted him before. He, he starts, he says like this. Any word of Abaya and Rava to me is worth more than one letter of the Zoyar. He says, I have no problem with Abshim Bayachai. Abshim is the greatest of the great, but I don't think this book has anything to do with him. He didn't sign his name. He said, some ideas may come from Shim Bayechai, but who knows which, who knows where. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. In other words, he believes that many ideas were added later. Right, and he uses this Lashon to say that he really believes the whole thing could have been made 800 years ago. Even if some things are sourced to Rashbi, who knows how many and how, and who knows if they're even properly recorded and properly presented. And he goes so far to say that in his um, Bohemia, the king forbade Kabbalah to be printed. It was making a big sturm. The Christians loved Kabbalah, 
because the ten spheres means God has different parts, so that brought them proofs to the Trinity, all types of strange things, which we don't have time to go into. What does that have to do with the kingdom? Why was the king banished? It was making an upheaval. The Kabbalah was making an upheaval, and he banned it. And the Tshuva Ma'av, in his letter, he praises. He praises the Goyesho authorities that don't allow Kabbalah to be printed in his area, the Zoyer as well. Like, that's like a real misnagi, you know? He's praising the authorities for not allowing Kabbalah to be printed. But in his times, he had him. His teacher, the Nebuda, wasn't as sharp, but also was a little wary. Yang of Emden coming out full force. The Chsam Sofer says what he says. So 200 years ago, if you had a guy who said, I'm wary of the Zayar, I could understand him. Because you have big people that were wary. But over the last couple uh, generations till today... It's yes. Zoya has become much yeah, more accepted. We have several from that same right, but he, time frame, or earlier or a little later, or just as big or bigger. Darisa, Darisa, right, 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 right. But if you're bright, but you know, Masnagid, who's no, their Masnagid, rabbi, is the Noy de Behuda. You have, you have True, correct, correct, correct. But even those, the yeah. big, the big. Uh, the, those that were outspoken 200 years ago, you know, their argument has kind of died down. Meaning, how many people now... You have uh, Yosef Kapak's grandfather, the Zardaya. That's true. But, but even amongst, amongst Faradim now, the Zoyer is... Ho- By the way, I'm talking about now amongst Fruma people. Amongst Friar people, amongst the, 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 the modern, non-religious um, Kabbalah scientists or Kabbalah Academic. professors, academics... Uh-huh. Not of Kabbalah, but no, you know the proof of Kabbalah. So, right, right, no, 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 but they still, they still love to quote Yankov Emden, and they'll quote all of these things you say, even amongst Orthodox, there were those that had issues. But today, amongst Orthodox Yidin, it's completely accepted. Right, true, there was a Rabbi Kapach Zayde who had issue with Kabbalah completely. You know, but by now, even by uh, which Sfardim now follow Sfardim? Well, they're not Sfardim. Right, but today, uh, right. So they've got even right. Those Taimanim have integrated amongst the Sfardim. Exactly. But even the Benish guy that you quoted. He could have been fed bad information because there's nowhere that the Benish Chai, no, no, the Benish Chai, the Benish Chai is his halachas are almost you know. Yeah, but you said there's no. He said that the Arizal said something that's not. That, because because I don't know that that that's almost non-relevant, you know. He didn't say no, okay, is it sourced somewhere? The ben, yeah, as the Benish Chai would say, he doesn't think very highly of me either, you know. <laughs> I don't know where he heard it from. He didn't find it yet. the Benish Chai probably the Benish Chai learned Kabbalah from people who might even have a chain going back to the Arusal. You know, there was things yeah. that were passed on. From the right, exactly, exactly. So uh, I don't question that if he said he, that Darizal said it. Uh, the question is that how much did Darizal say? You know, was it a, a drop here, a drop there? Because I'll tell you. Even if even it's not, doesn't e- say everything. E- e- exactly. Even <laughs> even if you find problem. something not from the Rashbi, it came later. Who's later? Right, even if Moshe de Leon added some of his own commentary, Moshe de Leon was a master Kabbalist. Adon, he was one of the greatest Mukabalim eight hundred years ago. He wrote many Swarm, and all of his Swarm are wonderful Swarm. Doesn't discredit the worth of the Zohar. No, but, but it's a different. No, but, but no, no, no. But but if it's from Moshe de Leon, he was a great Kabbalist, but. You yeah. know, he's, he's one individual. It's right. If it's from Rashbi and Rashbi's yeshiva, it's untouchable. It it's untouchable, right. right? So that's the yeah. right. Amongst from circles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but even even amongst a different prince of Zayar, 
if you go historically, the different prints, there's different, there's different yeah, 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 there's, yeah, even amongst the different prints, you'll find lots of variations. So you have lots of variations. Right, right. So, uh, okay. Sure. Oh, 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 oh.